This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. But those areas where you're starving, I hope that it opens the eyes of your heart to see the blessing that God's given you. And those blessings are not supposed to make you reject God or cause you to go after the world, but it's supposed to cause you to ask God to give you the ability to be able to enjoy those blessings. You know, let me illustrate this for you. In John chapter 12, we find Jesus. He's in Bethany in his friend's house, Lazarus. And Lazarus was dead. And Jesus raised him from the dead. And Jesus is sitting there and having his last meal with his friends before he has a last supper, of course. But this is like a public thing where people are coming to see Lazarus who was dead and who's now alive. And while Jesus is sitting there, it says that Mary, in John chapter 12, verse 3, then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume. I want you to, to slow down now. She took a jar of what? Expensive perfume. It wasn't cheap. It was expensive perfume made from essence of nard. And I remember studying about this. And this was very rare for it to come by. And if you read the next verse, it says that it was worth one year's wages. So for you to save up one year's wage, it would have taken you many years to save up to one year's wage. So it was expensive. It was perfume that smelled well. And it, it was a lifelong savings of hers that she had and what does she do with it she pours it at the feet of Jesus and then she wipes his feet with her with her hair and the house was filled with this fragrance this is what I want you to learn from this Solomon says we're given abundance but we don't have joy you know how you find this joy when you are able to take the abundance that God's given you first of all recognize the abundance and you realize that there's more joy in the presence of Jesus than in holding your resources it was expensive it was perfume, and she pours it out at the feet of Jesus. You know, man, in fact, I actually would love to stop the sermon right here because this is something that God has been teaching me a lot. Listen to me very carefully. Some of you, I told you I want to predominantly talk to Christians. Some of you, at one point, you poured all your life savings, so to speak, all your love, all your joy, all your affection on the feet of Jesus. Why? when Thursday came around were you trying to collect it all back and put it back in the bottle why God gives you abundance but he's also wanting to give you the ability to enjoy it and the way we enjoy it is with all the abundance we pour it out at his feet not to take it back again you see Peter and I keep going back to this passage quite a bit Peter he's sitting in the boat with the other disciples there's storms it's night and they think that Jesus is a ghost what does he do when he sees Jesus? He's like a little child. He says, bid me, bid me to come, 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 Lord. If it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, what? Sit your butt back in the boat. He says, no, come. You see, there's a lot of lessons over here, man. Peter realized that there's abundance of safety. There's abundance of security. There's abundance of surety of sitting in the boat. There's abundance of company. But he says, there's more fun. There's more joy of being able to walk with you on water than to sit in my safety. Call me to come. Some of you, you're struggling because you say you're a Christian, but you're still sitting in the boat. You say you're a Christian, but you're still holding on to your perfume. You're holding on to your life savings. And this is not about money. This is not about money. This is about you having abundance and not experiencing joy. True joy is going to come when you're willing to pour it down at his feet. Pour it down at his feet and don't go back to collect it. Peter was walking on water and he walked till he sank. You see, once you've given your life to Jesus, please listen to me now. Once you've given your life to Jesus, there's no going back, man. You cannot go back. That is something that you cannot do. We saw this a couple of weeks ago. When you make a vow, you got to keep it. 
you cannot go back. Uh, let me give you one more illustration, please, because this is something that that's really, really, really means a lot to me. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up on a sycamine tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And Jesus calls Zacchaeus down and says, Hey, come over, man. I'm coming over to your house. And Jesus goes to his house. Luke chapter 19, verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood. He stood. He was bold. Yes, he was short. But he stood. Maybe on a table. I don't know. But he made a bold proclamation. What did he proclaim? He stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. Four times I will give it back. Zacchaeus was a tax collector who would have been very rich, very affluent, very prominent, and he after this would have been broke. This is a lesson. He had abundance, had no joy. Find Jesus, you find joy. All these things, you see that it's meaningless. It's worthless. And God will not just say, give it away, get rid of it. He will say, hey, let me help you use it to point it towards me, to funnel it towards me so that you'll find excitement and joy in being able to use it for my glory. I hope you're tracking with me. And, you know, I, I don't know what this is going to look, because, man, I haven't spoken to you guys in such a long time. I don't know how this is going to relate to the reality of your life, but, but, but here, here's one area how it could. Okay? Maybe this is not about material things at all. Okay? Maybe this is about your calling and your talents. And maybe you're fighting with God about, why can't I use my talents? Why can't I use my calling? And in America, we have a lot of entitled Christians, man. And God's like, dude, it's not about your talent. It's not about your calling. It's about you loving me. It's about you pointing your affections towards me. It's not about what you do for the church. It's not about what you do for leadership. It's not about what you do in front of people. It's about what you do for me. It's one thing to get up and preach on a Sunday morning, but then go completely squander your life all week long. You have abundance, but you don't know how to enjoy it. And God says, look to me. Not just on Sundays, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and day in and out. Look to me and I will show you how to have joy with everything that you have. I will show you the paradise I created for you and how you can actually enjoy it. The gifts that God gives us and the power to enjoy them, they come separately. Oftentimes, like I said last week, we pray for God to bless us more, but we fail to pray, God, give me the ability to recognize what you already blessed me with. And then give me the right wisdom to be able to use it for your glory. The fear of the Lord is not only the beginning of wisdom, it's also the source of satisfaction. Okay, you want to write that down? You should. The fear of the Lord is not only the beginning of wisdom, but it's also the source of satisfaction because wisdom will tell you how to be satisfied. Things will not. The second thing Solomon's going to illustrate for us, other than abundance, without Jesus, is no joy. He says you can live a long life without Jesus and not have any satisfaction. You know, we're living in a time where um, our medical you know, knowledge is, is so vast and big and our technology is great that uh, we can keep people on life support for a long time and people can live longer um, and stuff like that. But Solomon's going to say that death is a great leveler. No matter how long you live, death will really normalize everything. And no matter how long you live, you will eventually die. We all will. And that's a guarantee. And we've heard Solomon say things like this in the past. He says that I've admired the dead. He says, man, I envy the dead. Because you know what? They're gone. They found their rest. They don't need to see the evil in the world anymore. And he says, even more so, I actually envy those who've never existed. People who never come into existence because they've never seen evil that's done under the sun. This is in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 2. But he's going to build on this now. And he's going to take this to a whole new level with a crazy, dark illustration. And writing on this, writing this down and studying this, I had to write in my footnotes, tread very carefully, because this is very 
he's going to add a very graphic illustration to this and so please pay attention and I think it's because he wants to draw this very dark contrast to show you how desperate life is without Jesus and how life can be completely wasted without any satisfaction or joy without Jesus he says in verse 3 if a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many so you live a hundred years in fact uh, verse 6 he says this guy can live 2,000 years. So he lives 2,000 years. That's a long time. 2,000 years. The wisdom he gains, the friends he gains, the wealth that he can gain in 2,000 years. He says, if a man lives for so many years and he has a hundred children. Now, he's writing to a culture where they consider children as a blessing, rightfully. So he's blessed beyond belief, not only with time, but also with children, which is what people wanted. They wanted a legacy to leave behind. And he lives for 2,000 years. Look at this. But his soul is not satisfied with life's good things and he also has no burial so you depart unnoticed unlamented and unfulfilled and he says I say that a stillborn child is better off than he wow so he's writing to a culture that considers children as a blessing and he's concluding that there's a strange blessedness of a stillborn child than someone who has all the blessings but has no capacity to enjoy them. You tracking with me? He's saying it's better for you to be in dead on arrival than to be given an opportunity to live this life and not have any satisfaction in this life. Because he says a stillborn child didn't have to end your pain, see suffering or struggle with a guilty conscience. And the best of all, this child is the first to find its eternal rest. Continue reading. It says, verse 4, For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. What does that mean? He says, when he says its name is covered, it's not because the baby is not being named. In fact, uh, I personally have not had to walk through this. I thank God for that. I have five kids, and all of them are healthy. I've never had to stand at the head of a casket of my own child. But I've had to walk through couples who have gone through this before. And it's not easy. And they do name the child, but what Solomon is saying is, the identity of this child is covered up. The character, the abilities, the reasoning of this child is covered up. You don't get to hear this child's voice. You don't get to see this child wobble as it walks. It's covered up in darkness. And he says, moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he, rather than the person who's not joyful or satisfied in this life. Even though he should live 2,000 years twice over, a thousand years, even though he should live 2,000 years, yet enjoy no good. Do not all go to one place. This illustration, folks, is heart-wrenching. And I want to tread very carefully. Please listen to me now. Solomon is not taking a cheap shot at your emotions. But he's trying to point out a reality. And he's cutting to the point in saying that you can have a long life. You can have children to carry out, carry out your legacy. But if you do not have satisfaction, you're worse off than a stillborn child. Doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? You see, Solomon is writing a perspective from life under the sun. He's writing from a perspective of a life without Jesus. Like I said, you can live a long life without Jesus. Yes, it's possible, but you will never find satisfaction. And Solomon is saying, man, living a long life with not finding the source and joy of satisfaction, you might as well have been dead on arrival. He's saying you can have a chance to prove your character, your abilities, to show the world your strengths, but if you don't have satisfaction, you might as well could have been a stillborn child when you were born.
He says, you can't have a chance to celebrate birthdays. See the years of your life go by. See days and seasons come and go. Go from one quarantine to the next into victory into victory into economy into economy into new presidents to new presidents but if you don't have satisfaction in this life you might as well be dead you can go from one marriage to the next you can go from having one child to the next but if you don't have satisfaction in this life you might as well be dead he says without satisfaction you're not living you are dead one commentator says this is very powerful he says maybe it's better to miscarry at birth than to miscarry throughout life yikes and you know what Sorry if I'm not being all fired up and yelling at you this morning because this is a very somber thought. I've seen many Christians and I've been one of these that's been living my life as a dead person while I know a lot of truth about Jesus because I've not invited him into every area of my life teaching me to laugh, teach me to love, teach me to throw my arms around my friends, teach me to, to, to sit and play with my children, teach me to enjoy every bite of my food. Like I said earlier, oftentimes we spiritualize life so much that we lose all the fun and joy and then you become miserable and then you get so jealous when somebody else is walking in freedom and you start poking at what they are doing. You start poking at their theology. You start poking at their freedom and you slow them down and you one day will have to stand before God and give an account for all the people that you tore down because you were miserable and did not know how to find satisfaction in this life because you didn't run to Jesus. David says in Psalm chapter 65 verse 4, So I will bless you for how long? as long as I live. God, I will worship you. I will raise my hands in worship and bless your holy name for as long as I live. In your name, I will lift my hands. And then he says, my soul is satisfied as with the riches, as with the richest of foods. With joyful lips, my mouth will praise you. How is a soul satisfied? When he blesses the Lord with his life. When he blesses the Lord all his life. David writes that in the middle of the night, he wakes up just rejoicing in God. Man, when the abundance that God blesses us doesn't build character that causes us to run after God, those things turn into a curse. Like I've said many times, blessing without character is a curse. Satisfaction comes. How does the satisfaction come? Satisfaction comes from finding your rest in Jesus. You see, it says over here that this person, his soul did not find rest. Isn't that interesting? It says this person had all the children, he had all the years that he could live, but his soul is not satisfied. In verse 3, if a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.